And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Benched with Bubba, episode 623. As we chug along in the fantasy baseball season to get you ready for the 2024 season. Uh, Happy New Year. It's early January. If you haven't started listening to the preview podcast, here you go. We're back for a non-preview episode, more of a fantasy baseball, let's see how things are going episode. We'll review Hot Stove as usual and talk about uh, some early DCOC situations out there in the NFBC landscape. In order to do so, I have a special guest joining me tonight. Uh, First time he's been on the show. I got to know him uh, uh, over the recent years, but especially last year as we duked it out in a DC and uh, ended up in the last like second due to a stat change or something, ended up tying the league after I already got DM messages saying, how did you pass me in this league? And then it came back (laughs) to reality. So we're going to have a lot of fun on this show. I'm looking forward to it. You can follow him on Twitter at Nikolai Knudsen. It's Nikolai. How are we doing, man? Good, man. Uh, Thanks so much for having me on. Like I said, I've been looking forward to this and it's so i'm glad you brought that dc up because i was like we got to at least talk about this briefly oh, yeah. because i was like you know we hadn't talked a whole lot and i was obviously knew who you were and congratulating you i was also a little upset because i was like man i was kind of in front for a while in that league and then your team was great too because it was really hot i think high in the overall and then that last day you passed me and i was like man like one of those last day like can't mm-hmm. believe i fell the second and then was congratulating you and then happened to look in. I don't even remember what the stat correction was. No. Um, it somehow made me jump back up and tie you. So um, kind of wild, but. Yeah, it was something else. Cause I, I remember that it was like going for the last month or so. I was kind of paying more and more attention mm-hmm. and you were always in the lead, but like I was in the lead in the overall. So I'm sitting there just kind of getting frustrated. Like, this makes no sense to me. What are we doing? I'm good. Cause you had like, I think a ton of hitting stats, like you're crushing hitting and I was doing yeah. like, whatever, something like that. And I kept going back. I, I was kind of creeping. I'm like, ah, oh, there's no way I'm going to get him. I'll take second. That's cool and all. And then I got it and I got your message. I'm like, okay, sweet, sweet. And then I'm looking it up right now. Cause um, the bullpen guru Dom, I remember this very clearly. He messaged me. This is what got my attention. Um, he it was something like uh, I'm trying to see where it was, but I can't even find it. But he mentioned, um, hey, just so you know, because he was in the league with us, is all there was a stat correction. Mm. You, you tied for first now, and I'm like, what? Oh shoot, that's how you found out. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even know because I thought I stopped looking. I'm like, done is done because it was like wasn't the same day. It felt like it was like a day later or something. And when the stat correction came in, and I'm just like, oh crap. But I was like, oh whatever, we'll split it. Cool. It's, I guess that's fair. You, you had the better team pretty much the all year. I had the overall team wow. to split it and call it day. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's a good story, but it's definitely. I mean, uh, I don't know. It, how often does that actually happen? Like, in, yeah, and cause you to take a step back uh, and tie with somebody. But oh well, that uh, I don't know. Fun to be able to get to know you. I'll take that as a you know uh, side win. So, <laughs> yep, yep, it's all good there. How did the season turn out for you last year? All things considered, yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it was a prop. I mean, profitable year. You know, obviously. I know everybody plays it for different reasons. That's I mostly play just because I enjoy fantasy quite a bit, right? Getting to know people. Um, got introduced to the end. I know we'll probably talk about that later, but a few years ago, and yeah, I just kind of got hooked like a lot of us. And um, But last year was good. It was probably one of my better years. Um, my main event I had won was awful. Other than that, every everything else was pretty good. Um, I, I'm trying to remember now. I think I cashed in like nine or 10 of my 20 teams and Perfect. I don't know, something like that. But um, yeah, so can't complain. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to, you know, drafting here until opening day. 
Yeah, and we'll get to all that, as, as you mentioned. But before we get to the fun stuff of getting to know Nikolai a little more and uh, some early draft thoughts, let's get over the hot stove, which we do each and every episode on Bench with Boa. And it's been kind of slow of late, as you can tell by the names we're going to discuss here shortly. It's been uh, pretty pretty quiet. But we did get Lucas Giolito signed with the Boston Red Sox, and it was kind of one of those where was he going to go after such a horrific season, especially the way he finished the year in Cleveland and Anaheim? It's pretty rough, but uh, it's obviously been documented as well, the struggles he had on and off the field. So we'll see where that goes. But what's your thoughts now on Giolito going to Boston? Are we are we excited about it? Are we neutral on it? You know, it does have an ADP of 221 over the last uh, month in DCs, which is pretty nice. So what's your thoughts there? Yeah, I think, you know, he's kind of grouped in with a few of these you know, guys who used to be pretty elite in fantasy, you know, you think of him, I'm sure we'll talk about sale later, Rodon, just these guys who used to be great now have question marks, uh, concerns for us as, you know, fantasy managers. I personally, I mean, I get the ADP um, and we're talking about DCs a little bit more today. You know, he should give you innings, which, you know, always having a quote unquote reliable arm matters in a format like that. Um I'm personally out even at 220. That's just me. I I get the appeal for some strikeouts um, in the innings. To me, I'd almost rather just take a chance on Lance Lynn, who's also pretty gross later. But um, I feel like similar maybe production, which you're going to get. I think the home run problem scares me a lot, and he's going to a worse park. Or I think for home runs, Boston might be a little more neutral. But overall, I think worse park. And unless his velo bumps back up, which, you know, it could. Um, I just don't see anything in the underlying numbers that made me be too optimistic. You know, I think with some of these other guys, like Sale, who we may talk about later, I, I can at least see some things that makes me go, man, if he just stayed healthy, he could maybe be some version of Chris Sale again. I don't know with Giolito if I see that, but um, so I'm probably just not drafting him this year, but what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm I'm torn. I know early draft season, I wanted nothing to do with him. I wanted to see where he went, all those kind of things. I did pick up a sh- one share recently. I still only, I guess, the only share. Uh, and one of the big reasons I did it is, like you mentioned, like, as I was building my roster, his innings and strikeouts were going to be a big plus to what I needed on that roster. And hopefully he can figure something out. Now that's still a big hope. Like he came out in his press conference finally, and he said he's been working with, um, I don't think it was driveline, but – He's he's got a guy, and uh, they already they already noticed the differences from his like really good seasons to how he was looking last season mechanically. They're trying to go back to the other system basically, and he's going to work on it. Now that's we loved it. Everyone's going to say that in the off season, so we have to right. kind of grain of grain of salt that one. Yep. But it's just, he's just one of those guys that he's still young enough where I'm thinking, okay, maybe we could take a chance at this time. I'm not going to go all in. I'm not going to draft him everywhere. That's for darn sure. sure. Um, and in re- in reality, he might be a better fit to draft in a fab league where if he sucks, you just drop him. In a DC, you're just stuck rostering him, and you're just like it's a dead roster spot at that point. That's a good point. And sometimes in those DCs, you know, injuries pile up, and you're forced to start guys that exactly. might crush your ratios just because you need a live body, right? And to your point, LC, you'll probably know pretty quick if if he's turning around or not. And if he hasn't at the price, it's not going to hurt you to just drop and move on, probably. So. Yeah, those first few like spring training outings where we see the velocity readings, that'll be uh, very telling. And trust me, Twitter will let us all know and his ADP will rise. So that'll be always the entertaining thing. You mentioned Chris Sale, and I'm I'm kind of excited about this one because I was already interested in Chris Sale after mm-hmm. uh, the way he kind of – it wasn't like an amazing season, but just seeing him out there throwing, being a little bit more like Chris Sale at times. 
He gets traded yeah. to, to the the Braves. The Braves send Von Grissom to, to Boston. We'll talk about Grissom in a minute. What's your thoughts on Sale? Like his ADP is 170, so it's 50 picks before Giolito. But still, you know, going to Atlanta, much better ball club, maybe a better ballpark potentially. We'll see. Not a great ballpark, but what's your thoughts on Sale? Yeah, um, and something you'll probably notice as we talk a little bit here today, I'm kind of a little bit more willing to take risk on guys like Sale, who obviously we know the concerns, right? The bad is, can he stay healthy? He hasn't pitched hardly at all for three, four years. Um, when I'm talking about Giolito, like I said, I was mentioning things that I just didn't see a lot of optimism in his skills. Whereas the big if, if he can actually pitch, I think there's still a lot of like double-digit strikeouts a lot last year, close to a nine, eight, you know, nine, eight K outings. Uh, the K percentage, I think was around 30%, still elite. Um, I don't know. I still see a lot there. You go to the Braves, it's a team that we all wins are unpredictable, but obviously they're going to rack them up. So again, if he can stay healthy, he could provide, you know, a good amount of that for you. Um, if it's, if it stays up to 170, you know, you mentioned, I know the 170, I'd like that price range. I'm curious to see as the weeks and months go on, where does that start to creep up to? I noticed there was a draft the other day. He went like 126, pretty big difference. Um, you know, I probably, I think in an OC, I'd probably still be fine taking him there because I'm, I'm willing to take the risk and try to get a difference maker in an OC. And if it burns me, you know, it's easier to kind of make it up and fab, right? So, um, yeah, I think the 170 range is exciting for, for me personally, but I don't know what your thoughts are. On yeah, I definitely like it. I, I am. I have a few shares. The 126, I'm a little mm-hmm. more like slower to be attracted to that uh, ADP. I just noticed that, yeah, that's as high over the last month uh, or as low, I guess, of 126. So um, that kind of uh, – I have to do some more thinking on that one. But the reason I liked the move for a couple reasons is, you know, you got Strider, you got Freed. Um, who knows if Morton comes back or not. He's got the option. He hasn't really said he's coming back. That leaves Sale as the three or the four, which does mm-hmm. is, is so much better than him having to be the ace for one. He can work back into his innings, maybe give you 150 innings still. And and what you mentioned, the underlying stuff, we saw the strikeout rate, like you mentioned. Velo wasn't bad. Um, the, the big thing that could be a quick change potentially is is one of his worst ground ball rates ever, and that's what led to all the, the home runs he gave up. Like If that just kind of shifts yeah. back a little bit, now your ratio drops back down to the, the normal Chris Sale range because the whip was still fine. Like there's yep. a lot to like about Chris Sale, so I'm with you on that one. I think there's even 126 if he gets those adjustments could be a nice little play there as like an SP3 potentially, especially in an OC or something. And you and we'll get to your your games you play. I know you play OCs and everything. You play all formats almost, but um, like that OC, you could definitely take those chances a little more in that range, Absolutely. and that's a, a little bit more exciting. Vaughn Grissom now. This is a guy that was kind of been without a home for a while. He was maybe going to platoon yep. with Jer- Jared Kelenic in Atlanta in the outfield. Now he looks to be the second baseman in Boston. And I've always just kind of had him off my board because I didn't know if he'd ever play. Now he'll at least play every day. ADP of 371, as high as 232 over the last month. So what's your thoughts on Grissom here? Yeah, he's he's interesting, right? Last year I feel like just one of those buzz players, right, where before the season starting, you know, you're – you're trying to predict like how much he's going to play. He's in a great offense. So he starts to climb and then it's like, Oh, wait a second. He's, he's not even going to get everyday playing time and he hardly plays at all for him. Um, but we still know what he offers and it, in fantasy, it's definitely enticing, right? They've said he should be the everyday middle in, or I think he should play every day with story in the middle infield. So um, 
you know, power speed combo. We like that middle infield, right? Obviously still young, unproven. But again, I think the Red Sox as a whole, just in that lineup, I feel like they're going to bounce back, you know, to what extent, I don't know, but I do like, you know, a lot of the guys in that line, Duran, Yoshida, Devers, of course, um, Costas, who everybody loves. I just think there's a lot of opportunity for that lineup to grow. And um, if he's going to get everyday ABs, I, I think he's a great, I don't great, a good pick in that area that you just mentioned. Um, and somebody I brought up just in my notes here, because I was kind of curious looking who was going around him. Uh, another guy, sort of similar, you know, skill sets is Jeremy Pena. And I was just kind of curious, you know, you got a preference on one of those two. I feel like they're kind of similar and they're going pretty close in the ADP recently. That's honestly a really good kind of con- or comparison between the two, especially going next to each other. Um, Grissom, we've never really seen him do it for a full year, which will be interesting. Pena had that yeah. good year two years ago. Last year is kind of a downer for sure. Um, feels like Pena might have a little more power than Grissom. Could be wrong. Could be very, mm-hmm. very similar. I'd probably almost take the chance on Grissom, honestly, uh, given the chance um, and go with that. Where Pena, we saw where the the floor was, and it was it was ugly. Like you didn't want to start him at times last year. Yeah. Where Gris, Grissom, maybe we get a little more out of. Very, very close though. What about you? Who would you pick out of the two? It is it is close. I don't know if I have a strong feeling right this second. I will admit I've kind of always been a little bit of a guy. Um, mm-hmm. Took him quite a bit last year. Obviously, didn't work out. Yeah. Still pretty young. Um, you know, I, it'll be interesting to see if he's made any improvements. Because like you said, it was pretty gross for moments last year where he was just unplayable or even, even droppable in OCs, yeah. like 12-teamers. So, um, but yeah, I think it'll be kind of fascinating to see uh, where Vaughn kind of climbs now that the Red Sox have backed him. And obviously, you know, nothing's changed in his profile last year where everybody was taking him. I think well before this with Atlanta, right? I don't think he was going yeah. lower than this. So, yeah, I'll, I'll be very interested too. Like I was a big pain you guy as well last year. I felt that pain quite a bit. So, um, well, maybe that's part of my my answer there. But we'll see. I, <laughs> it I, is I hard agree. to forget some of those those deep cuts, right? Yes, definitely. But it's also a good point you make, and I, I try to keep that reality. Is still super young. There's like it could have been the league adjusting to him. Does he adjust back? There's a lot of a lot of things along those regards. Um, now we got a couple like kind of boring uh, ad drops uh, or hot stove moves sure. here, but we can just highlight them real quick if you want. Chris Flexen joins the White Sox. I'm only mentioning him for like the deepest of formats, basically, and just right. to prove the fact that the White Sox they're filling their roster, sort of, kind of, maybe. <laughs> it's um, interesting. Yeah. yeah. Do you even have any interest? Like, and a guy like Flex at worst, he's going to eat innings up. So. You got that, yeah. but ADP of like 744. I mean, again, when we're talking that deep, right? I think the name I always put down in these DCs, it's like a Jordan Lyles type, right? Like yep. I've drafted those types of guys late. And for a reason of you're just, again, you're trying to plan for injuries. Um, like you said, eat innings because we all know we've had those DC teams that you know, before you know it, you're like, man, I have nobody to start this week. And obviously you still need to try to accumulate volume. So um, to your point, that late as a guy who's just sort of a backup plan, fine. I don't think there's a lot exciting, obviously, in him from an upside standpoint, right? I mean, to your point, the White Sox, their rotation, I think Eric Fetty's listed as number two on roster resource. Yes. It just kind of tells you like where they're at right now. And this is without CC even maybe getting moved. So like, um, he's probably going to find some starts, I guess is what I'm saying. So again, that has value, especially that late. So I I have no problem if he's, you know, 
going at 700 and you want to throw him on your bench like that, I guess. But yeah, because like you look at who he's going around, it's either potential prospects that might get called up or like sixth or seventh inning relievers that maybe find saves at some point. So it's do you want innings and potential maybe get in there for a win? White Sox not, might not win many games, but I'm with you. I, I like taking those boring guys that can just give me innings at times. I've, I've done a lot of Jordan Lyle types in my day, so I'm with yeah, you there. Yeah, you kind of – just – unfortunately, you know it's going to come, right? You know there's going to be that time where you're like, ah, oh, two-star Jordan Lyle, here we go. Like you just cross your yep. fingers and hope they don't destroy you. Just check back on Sunday and see how it went. Pretty um, much. This one really doesn't do anything for me, but does Zach Plesak joining the Angels have any interest for you? Like, uh, I've just been I've been anti Zach Plesak for a long time, but maybe that's just me. I'm with you, man. I I got a good buddy that uh, used to be a Guardians fan and used to we used to debate about Plesak a lot, and uh, I think he's terrible. I think he had eight good starts ever in his career, and he's not that guy anymore. He's not throwing 95, and he's still young enough, I guess. But there's nothing for me to think. I don't know that he's going to be anything. His K minus walk is dreadful. He, I mean, um, I, I don't know. I just, I don't think he's, if I had to bet, I'd guess he's just not in the majors again, more than he's actually relevant at all this year. But I'm with you. I'm with you. Once you do a Puka shell necklace or a uh, video <laughs> and it's not the early nineties, you kind of lost out yeah. on this one. So uh, yeah, that yeah, video did hurt of... him in my book too. Dropped him. The yeah. Interview. And he, yeah. he Really never bounced back after that. So was, you make uh, a good point there. I mean, decisions have consequences, and I think exactly that is the root of his on and off the field, on and off the field, people. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's uh, very simple. Uh, we'll we'll combine these two, but you can talk about them both separately if you want. Because earlier, like a week ago, Yuki, uh, Yuki Matsui signs with mm-hmm. the Padres, and we're like, "Sweet, they got their closer." Sorry, Robert <clears> Suarez. <throat> and then yesterday on Wednesday. They went and signed Wook Suk Go, who was the one of the best closers in Korea. Now he's supposed yeah. to be their closer. So it just keeps getting better and better out there. Um, what's your kind of level of interest on these two? Maybe they both get saves. Like I watched a, I, I look actually read some things on Go yesterday that were on Twitter, some good threads on it. Looks pretty darn good. But so did much. Okay. So yeah. uh, what's your thoughts on these two? It's, it's a, it was weird to see San Diego get both of them. Yeah, I wasn't quite sure, like to your point, why they signed him after just getting Matsui, but, and I'll be completely honest, I don't know a lot about either one of them, obviously, other than just looking at their stats, it's not as if I've actually watched these guys pitch. Um, I haven't seen Go, I know you mentioned he looked good, I wasn't like overly impressed with just just his base, like his whip and stuff, it was a little, you know, sketchy for maybe a closer type. Um, Matsui, I think his last three years in Japan were just pretty good, just based on the numbers. Again, what that means, I don't know in the MLB. So, I mean, if you made me pick, I would still probably lean Suarez. I mean, he did get paid like 46 mil. Um, He throws gas. He's kind of that prototypical possible closer. So if you made me pick one, I'd probably go with him. And I think him and Matsui have been going. I think Matsui's actually been going ahead of him lately. Yeah, I just Um, pulled up up Matsui's ADP over the last month. ADP's 295. He got as high as 129. Yeah, I I did see that. Someone just got – they got – that was probably right after he got signed. Um, the panic, where, the panic pick. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Now he's like, now he's just like, oops. Where Robert Suarez, 218. Uh, he's gone as high as 185. So sure. that's interesting. And now if we go with Go, there's a lot. Can search something more? Just, oh, there we go. Uh, Woo Suck Go, 715 as high as 549. So he's still, people are still catching up to him. 
Sure. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see where that climbs here in the next like couple of weeks. But um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to be, you know, obviously you never know how some of the drafts play out. Right. Um, if it's in the 200 range and you need a third closer, um, you know, close your eyes and, and take a pick again, I'd probably lean Suarez, but um, I'd probably just try. I mean, I think of like, who would you rather have Suarez or somebody like Alvarado on the Phillies kind of going in the 180, 200 range, both yeah, uncertain sure. on their jobs, but I think Alvarado's pretty elite. Yeah. Um, just a matter of how many saves does he actually get, you know? Um, yeah, I go Alvarado at that point. I'm hoping that's like my, my third reliever if I'm going that direction. Yeah. But uh, I, I'd probably go Alvarado just for the eliteness that he has. And I'll take like the, those little things, even in DCs, like we talk about, just having the ratios and the strikeouts. Those are amazing. If he could run into like 10 to 15 saves, awesome. So yeah, oh, he was I huge think, last year, even, yep. you know, he got hurt, but he still gave you elite production, honestly, from where you got him, especially. Yeah. So I'd probably go Alvarado on that range, but I'm really looking forward. Like you said, I want to see where this whole, the three headed San Diego monster starts kind of unraveling an ADP over like the next month. It'll be real yeah. interesting. And then see when we get to the big boy drafts, how that takes place. And then like last, you mentioned yeah. earlier with spring training, that just oh, opens up a whole nother can of worms of overreaction. Right. I mean, yep. of yeah. The little thing sparking a, a trying jump to decipher it. decipher pitcher usage when they who threw the fourth and who threw the fifth. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, then the GM says one thing, and then you know, yeah, it'll get wild. And uh, the because the you know, Padres were a rough when they when they had Melanson and I think it was it Will Smith back then. They had two guys or something, and Melanson ended up being the closer, even though the whole time he was supposed to be the eighth inning guy. Then he showed it, like the last day they announced him as the closer, so that was that was a fun yeah. one. So. Go Padres. <laughs> Last bit of news here. Harrison Bader signed with the New York Mets. Got him 10 and a half mil over a year, which kudos to him. But the reason I'm really curious on this is besides, you know, the power, a little bit of power, some power, some speed, which he brings to the table. And he's a really good glove, which makes it interesting. Yeah. Um, they said, I think it was the GM came out and said it today, that expect uh, Nemo to continue to play, but Bader to play a lot in center field. So how does this like play out for you in a fantasy perspective? Are you now interested in Bader? Does it worry you on Nimmo? How do you kind of go about that? Yeah. Um, I don't know if it makes me concerned about Nimmo. I don't know. He's such a – Nimmo forever couldn't stay healthy, but he's such a, I feel like, underrated source of runs for the last few years. Like he's mm-hmm. – you know, he gets on base. Obviously, he's got some guys that can drive him in behind him. Um, I feel like always slightly underrated, but – with Bader, I haven't looked at his AP, I guess. And again, like we've been saying with a few of these guys, it'll be interesting to see what happens here now that he's gotten paid a decent amount. And to your point, his glove is pretty elite, and, and that's going to play or at least keep him in the lineup most of the times as long as he's healthy. And that's been his big thing too, right, is can he just not get hurt? Because um, I think, you know, later in a D.C., he's still a guy who can get you 20-some steals, and that has a lot of value later in drafts because um, – they're just a lot of the guys that get you those 20 steals. Maybe they don't play every day. So their counting stats are bad or whatever. And not that I expect his to be great, but um, yeah, I don't, I'd have to see where his ADP lands and, you know, to really kind of gauge what my interest might be on in him. But um, I feel like it's, I've been burned on him in the past. So I feel like I just want to shy away because I got sucked into the hype like a year or two ago. And um, he does, and he just doesn't hit the ball hard anymore. Or, I don't know if he ever really did, but his hitting uh, metrics are pretty poor. But um, if you need some steals, worth dart throw, I guess, maybe. 
Yeah, in a, in a DC, I'm in probably not any Fab League. Bader's ADP is 397. Gone as high as 286, which kudos to that. Like I was looking at him as a deep like bench outfielder uh, at times. Nemo 194 yeah. as uh, high as 178. <clears throat> So that kind of checks out. But Bader, I'm still probably not too excited about. Uh, before we go on to the next segment here, our buddy Anthony Gialdi is in the chat, and he mentions, I don't appreciate the snipe in the ninth round of our DC, Nikolai. He mentioned it got his ass good. <laughs> not sure which pick that was, but uh, anytime we can get Anthony uh, uh, Gialdi on here, that's always fun. Yeah, no, uh, he is in our draft. Yeah, we're we're doing a second. Uh, I believe – let me just make sure I am not misquoting the pick here. Um Okay, it was who I thought. Okay, so I took uh, Jackson Cheerio. Uh, I needed, you know, I needed the, you know, the sexy pick, right? So I, I yeah. did take him. And I think I saw Jaldi took maybe Jordan Walker after that. So I still went with a little bit of a young, promising bat. So beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, it's always fun. Jaldi is always fun in the chat here. So it's good to, to see that that snipe come in handy. Uh, let's get to know you a little more. I know you've, you've uh, been on a few shows. Uh, Waxman has, has had you a few times. It's been good, but. Let's get to know you here on the bench with Bubba side of things. Um, how long have you been playing fantasy baseball or guess NFBC? Because I know you've been playing for quite some time. Yeah, I I did uh, a couple of years ago. My brother-in-laws actually who play, they were like, hey, you know, we, I usually just play in like friends leagues and stuff like that, work leagues at ESPN, whatever. And they were just kind of talking about NFBC and, you know, the, the competition and just like, you know, little – that added layer, I think, of, you know, bigger leagues and, and that's, you know, just the types of players that you get more over there in those work leagues. I don't know if you play them, you know, you always have a couple of guys who aren't paying attention. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I think that was in 2020. I just did one and yeah, I just honestly instantly got hooked. And then the last three years and um, try to tell myself this year that I'm going to scale it back a little bit. We'll see how. Yeah, I feel like we all lie to ourselves, right? As uh-huh. the draft season, like this is the year I'm only going to do. And, yeah. uh, but I've been, I don't know, I've probably been doing around 20 leagues, I guess, over the last three years on average. So, um, I don't know, it's just always fun to be in a draft, right? We were talking about this beforehand. Yeah. It's, it's just addicting, but. Yeah, and we only get to do it for a few months, and then it goes away. We have to grind our ass off for six months with no drafting. Cool. So yeah, then like... the tough. Yeah, then then in families, then the the, the the suffering happens. Right on Sunday, you yeah. start to hate your life. <laughs> Exactly. That's why, at least right now, they're not fab leagues unless you're real crazy uh, to be doing fab leagues. And so you can kind of, ah, you, you at least tell yourself in your head, I oh, just got a set lineups. It's not that bad. Like, we'll be okay. Right. <laughs> I know. Once then, I'm, I'm, I've held off in an OC. I know they've started, and I was like, man, that sounds fun. But I'd yeah. like, just be patient, man. Because like, I know once I start doing those two, it won't stop. But yeah, I, I reserved my three OCs already. And then I keep, so now I get the emails every mm-hmm. time. Uh, Derek wants to get a group in and then like, Hey, Thursday night, we have this one or about Friday. Like, I'm like, no, don't do it to me, Derek. I'm waiting a little bit longer. Come on. Like I want to at least get to February. I usually prefer to get all those in March, but I know better yeah. than two. I know better than that. I'll, I'll be in one at least in February. But um, how do you usually, you said 20, 20 teams. How do you usually kind of break that down? Do you prefer to do some DCs? Then you get to OCs. You mentioned you had a couple mains. Like how do you usually or ideally want to break all that down? Yeah, um, it's varied a little bit, but for the most part, I feel like I've been doing, I don't know why I landed on this the last three years. I've done right around 12 or 13 OCs each year, you know, just kind of where it's ended in, in um, kind of a good spot for me, I guess. Um, on top of that, I think I've been doing, 
probably five, six DCs. Um, I did a few gladiators last year. I did not do any this year. I, I was a little late to the party on that, but, um, and then usually just one main. Um, so I've only done two mains ever the last two years. Um, so mostly I guess OCs and then a decent amount of DCs along the way. So, um, cause, um, so you do five to six DCs and you're primarily an OC guy. So we have similarities there. Um, what makes you, um, what are you utilizing the DCs for? It's always a fun question to me, at least, because some people say it's to learn the player pool. Some say it's to do this, that, or the other. What are you trying to gain by going using the, and, and the DCs being a 15 compared to, so obviously more mm-hmm. money's involved compared to an FPC 50, which is a 12. Uh, yeah. So you're using the 15 to get ready for the 12s, or what's your kind of process there? Yeah, it's a good question. I kind of am. I understand they're not, obviously, they're not apples to apples, right? You're, you're talking 15, you're talking 12. Um, you're talking 50 man benches with, you know, an OC is definitely much shallower benches. You have fab. So there's a lot of differences, but for me, I do like jumping in these slow drafts now and just starting to grind and get a feel for what a draft's going to look like just in general. I mean, you can do the research, but I think until you get in one and you start to steer where guys fall and how you maybe want to do your build this year. Um, it always takes me a few to maybe pin down what I feel comfortable with and then, you know, maybe I'll try to copy that with a lot of my drafts moving on. But early on, I mean, I did my first DC. I got to be honest, I was like not a huge fan of how it turned out. We'll see what happens, but just didn't kind of love the approach. Um, you know, we'll see as I do a few here. I think I'm getting a little, little bit better of a feel on what I at least think um, is, a, is a decent approach this year. But um, that's kind of what I do use them for. I mean, I enjoy them. Obviously, I want to win, but I kind of yeah. use them as that starting point, right? Uh, so when I get into an OC, even though it's a 12, I just have a rough idea. And obviously those are so much different with, oh, yeah. you know, what approach you want to take. And they're kind of all over the place sometimes, which makes them fun. But yep. no, that's, that's what I was wondering. Cause I, I used to do primarily fifties and I did a couple DCs mm-hmm. and it's nice to, if you win a DC, like the payout's pretty solid in those to help kind of build your bankroll situation. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. so that's why I started going, okay, I'll play a little more DCs potentially than fifties. But like I, I haven't done a 50 since early on. I did a couple of DCs. I just jumped in a 50 with some buddies. And that is just like a different world again. Like it's, it's just like going back sure. and just drafting a 12 compared to a 50. It's nuts. But um, you do, you say usually 12 to 13 OCs. Now this is where I'm going to get real curious. Um, sure. They get wild. Like you said, things can, oh, there's they, really no, there's no the wild, method. wild west, man. <laughs> yes. There's no method to the madness. We're not even talking fab yet. We'll get to that in a minute. We're just talking the draft and like everybody has their own way to go about it. It gets nuts. Um, mm-hmm. You're doing 12 to 13. Do you do that many to diversify a ton and try different strategies or mm-hmm. what's kind of your idea or is it just to, yeah, I'm going to load in and do 12 to 13. What's your plan on that? Yeah, no, that's a good question. I, I'm typically one that, I like to have fun with some of the builds in those. So I'm not again, I know some people are a little bit more, you know, um, tried and true on like the way they want to go about it or they're a little less risk averse. I don't mind trying like quote unquote a different build, whatever that might be to somebody, you know, I'm not afraid. <laughs> I always use the example a couple of years ago and it, it, it's obviously not something I would um, ever do again. It just worked out where I took three short stops in the first four rounds. And I know I would not ever do that again, but in my opinion, I was trying to build the best team and, you know, locking up your util with a shortstop. Again, I I would not do it moving forward, but I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do this. I want to see how it works out. And 
all I'll say is whether it's a right way to do it or not, we know there's a million ways to build this puzzle and try to win. And it, it didn't hurt me in the league. I got second. And my point is you can do it so many ways that, you know, I understand it's maybe not ideal, but I kind of like just trying a little different approaches. But then within that, I do usually try to identify maybe five or six guys that I'm kind of in love with. And I'll just almost jump their ADP just to make sure I'm getting them in the drafts and, or try to, right? Like if there's five or like last year, Corbin Carroll, I think I took him in 10 of my DCs or OCs because I was just like, I'm getting this guy. Like he's going to steal way more than his projections. And at least that was my thought, right? Obviously you never know. Um, It worked out. It doesn't always work out that way. You can get burned by going all in on a guy, of course. But I also think in the OCs, I don't know your thought is, if you ever look back at those drafts, it always makes me laugh at the end of the year. I'm like, man, that team won the league and the draft was awful. Like, yep. it, you whiff on, or at least on my, my teams, like you whiff on so many picks, but it just shows you that Fab obviously plays a huge factor. And if you get a difference maker, a true difference maker, a guy that pops, it goes a long way in helping your team, right? Um, so even if you whiff on a lot, and you get two or three just absolute studs who are, you know, top 12, 15 players, carries your team. So um, I don't know if that kind of rambled on there, but that's sort of my approach in the season. on um, what it, I like to try it makes, to do. It makes sense, and that's one thing, reason I like the, the OCs a lot. I talk about it is you can, I don't know if get away with it, get away with more is the right way to say it, but you can definitely obviously take more chances. Like in a 15, like in a main, like you did a main, you said um, – you almost have to be more structured, more uh, I would safe's not the right word, but you have to make sure you cover your bases because to do like say you did three shortstops in a, in a main, you'd be hosed <laughs> somewhere. Like somewhere, oh yeah. Like we, like we talk about 15s, there's always a weakness on a team because 15s are so deep. You would have a massive weakness somewhere, like outfield or something. It would be just a disaster. But uh, we're in an OC between just the pool being so much smaller, between other people taking crazy chances. And between the fab, like that's what makes it fun. I love the fact in a in a in OCs, you at least have options almost every week in fab to improve your team. Like there's always something For there. Sure. We're in a main. There's some weeks you look at the waiver wire and you're just like, what am I going to do? Like this is ridiculous. It's, um, it's gross. Yeah. So that's what I I I always go back to fantasy supposed to be fun. OCs make it fun at least. Like they can be annoying as hell, yes. especially when you see fab results. But uh, at least oh, it's man. fun. <laughs> that's I think my favorite thing on the fab besides seeing who you got right is going through and and seeing the highest bids for the the hot yes. player that week because they're just all over the place it's yeah. it's like that guy went for six hundred dollars somewhere like what you know yes. and what league was that <laughs> yeah right like can you give um, me that player's name I want to sign up next year <laughs> and to your point I think so far I haven't done that great in the two mains I did and I think I'm still kind of trying to figure out you know, Nikolai, don't, don't be so wild, I guess, in your approach in those ones, because like you said, you can't get away with it as much, especially if those picks don't hit. Um, Mm -hmm. And those early picks, you know, uh, you know, the first 10 rounds matter a ton if you get some safer plays. And I mean, still you want upside, of course, but I think that's where I need to cool it a little more in the, in the mains uh, uh, and why it's kind of backfired on me so far, but. Yeah, but drafting's fun. You gotta have fun. Um, it when we're talking these OCs though, like I, we hit, we joked about Fab. How do you do that many Fab leagues each week? Yeah, man, that's a really good question. It's uh, 
you know, I think I enjoy it usually the first, I want to say month, right? It's kind of fun. Um, <laughs> and then there's, it hit, there's a breaking point, right? Like you're sitting yeah. there and even if you're not doing 13, you're just like, like my wife will look at me and be like, you know, just see the look on my face. Like I, it's like a job. You're just like, I got to go work now Pretty on much. Sunday and yep. yourself in a room and you're just, for me, you know, you have your process, whatever it is. And I'm just like, by the end of it, I'm trying to stay focused. Right. Cause that's just, you know, any of us, I think that are into it this much, you, you care enough to try hard all the way through and it matters, right. If, you know, if you want to do well, but uh, man, it, it gets hard at the end, right. To, to stay focused all year in those uh, when you're, placing those bids on Sunday night, you're just like, man, I want to just do something tonight and not spend five hours doing this. Yeah. That's the biggest thing is it's like, this is Sunday. I want to go have fun. I want to go do this. Or especially, like right. you said, like, like early on, okay, you got your plan, you're into it, you do this, that, but as the season goes on, you know, summer gets going, weather gets nicer. It's yeah. like, it's good. It's, I know. Just, it's so much more difficult. And I live here in North Dakota. So obviously like, I mean, this winter has been decent, but winters are, kind of keeping you trapped in until when baseball starts. So when it is nice, it is hard on those Sundays to, you know, sit on your laptop for four or five hours uh, doing this thing. And I always laugh, like when we talk about, you know, well, how'd your year go? And, you know, if you're profitable or not, and then you do the math, it's like, yeah, it's profitable. And you do the math and it's like, I made 10 cents an hour on my, you know, (laughs) million hours that I invested into this crazy game that we love. Right. That's yeah. I I know exactly what you're saying. I've done little exercises like that. It's very depressing at times thinking back about yeah. it. Like when people say, "Like, well, what did you do with your life?" Well, honestly, <laughs> I did this. Right. But that's why we love it. It's fun. Um. But yeah, that that's uh that's interesting. So I'm, I'm with you. It's it's good to hear. I like hearing that because you know there's the Tobys of the world. Great. I'm a great friend with Toby and you know uh, Steve Weimer and DPH and all those guys like the robots guys. And they spend hours and hours going through the fab process and going through the numbers and all these things. I'm like, I remember Ryan and I left a, a, one of the conferences at FPAS and walked out and said, we're never going to win. Because we're just like, we like <laughs> there's no way we could spend that much time doing it, which is not yeah, true. You can still win, but it's just yeah. like, man, it's wild. Yeah, some guys That's are wild. super, you know, their approach is definitely very smart and they take it to another level level with just sort of the commitment right and i like mm-hmm. to think i'm committed but i'm with you on um i don't pretend to be you know maybe the best with you know the advanced stats and you know super you know which i don't ground i look at all of it it's just some guys understand it and um you know apply it a lot better than somebody like me at least i think so no, I'm 100 with you. I joke about it all the time because it's true with me. It's like I joke. I do caveman analytics. That's just what I do. So, dude, um, I'm still like, and I know Vlad's the gut guy, but I, I'm that type of person too. That I'm just like 100. Go with the gut. I'm like, love this guy. I don't care if anybody backs my reasoning. I'm just, mm. I'm in. And you know, it doesn't always work out, but yeah, I, I make my rankings, and I always I look at the numbers. I look at things. I make rankings. But some of these guys like go deep into it. I'm like, there's a point where I'm just looking at like three guys, and my gut says this is one, two, and three. That's how we're doing it. I, I yeah. can't get. I'm not gonna give you a rhyme or a formula why, but this is what it is. Hundred <laughs> percent. We roll. Um, yeah, that, that's funny stuff. Um, do you play in any of the? Is it all three fifty OCs, or do you go up to the big boys like seven fifties and whatnot? Like basically, do you go to Vegas or to, to any live drafts? Yeah, I, I haven't done anything other, uh, higher in the OCs than the 350. I, I thought about it. You know, we'll see this year. Um, I've been to, I went to Vegas two years ago to do a main. Um, 
my brother-in-law had a 40th down there. It was a good time. And it happened to be when the main or the, you know, live events were going on. So super fun to do the one main in person, uh, meet a few people. Um, not going this year. I don't know if you are, or if you, no. I don't know if, I don't think you were there that year. I've never been. Went. Okay. No, I've never been. They, they don't, they don't have events in my price point yet. <laughs> <laughs> do you do, do you do any mains? I guess I haven't. No, I've never done a main cause it's just, okay. I, I, I've, I've done 15s and I've done okay. in some, most of the time it's middle of the pack stuff. Like I just know my world and sure. someday I will I'm not going to say I'm not going to, I just love my little OC bubble. I guess like kind of the things we talk, I just love that kind of format and just doing my thing there. Someday I'll do it. Like, Gialdi in the chat said do a solo shot i'm thinking about it um mm. the format of the solo shot i like a lot but also little tweaks of it i don't like as much type thing but yeah um it, it it's a good I, I wish the solo shot was a solo entry but the same format is what i would love to see that's what sure. i'm hoping for but yeah I, and i'm with you in the way. ocs i think and maybe it, it's maybe my like we were talking and joking the caveman Mm-hmm. I, I like being able to do stupid things and not get burned mm-hmm. by it as much. So exactly. in an OC, you know, it's like, oh, that sucked. And you're an idiot, Nikolai, but I can maybe bounce back where yes. in 15s, like it's different. And then again, some of the people that are really good in those formats are, you know, they're such advanced players too, uh, that they're going to take advantage of you and, and kind of bury in the standings. But yeah, Torres takes uh, makes a comment. How about a main qualifier? Maybe I'll take you up on that one, Torres. That's not a bad idea. Do a get get the feet wet in a main qualifier. That's a good idea. We'll see how that goes. I uh, just go. add more add more to my 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 leagues. Thank you. you you're just you're in, you're helping out with the addiction. I, I appreciate you. <laughs> Got to scratch um, that itch, man. Exactly, it's a big itch on this guy. So um, we talked about the formats you like. You got your DCs. You got your OCs. You might you dabble in the main. Um, do you do any auctions or is it, it sounds like it's all just redress? It is so far. Yeah. I, I would love to do an auction here one day. I don't think yeah. I'll do it this year, but, um, you know, I do them for football a little bit, just, you know, smaller leagues. It's a really fun format. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I just yeah. haven't jumped into it, at least in the NF, uh, BC space. So. Yeah. That's my goal this year is to jump into at least one or two of the uh, 150 <clears throat> online auctions to try them out, see how I like them. Uh, cause they, they seem just like, so much fun so i could probably uh, i suppose i could sneak in one of those that's yeah hey, hey i'll let enough, you know right? I'll, I'll send you the bat signal we'll, we'll have some fun there we It'll go be good See, we can all learn it, we can all learn it together <laughs> I, I, peer pressure i just don't handle well yeah I'm just like that's me you know, too that's why i twisted my arm i'm like all right let's do it yeah and it's and, and then the thing is this could get me ready for a man because after you do the draft now it's a 15 team league so now you get to dance so there you go man there you go um, what are your plans for 2024? Similar 12 to 13 OCs and whatnot, or do you, do you plan on doing? I know I just added an uh, an auction on your list. Have <laughs> anything else? I would year? like, I would, and I, and I know I'm probably full of shit here, but I, I would like to do a little less on the the OCs, uh, just from the mental standpoint, right? Like we talked yeah. about. I mean, whether I do or not, I guess time will tell. But, um, but definitely probably more OC still. Um, I'll probably, I mean, my second DC up probably try to do five or six um just because they're like we said leading up to like opening day and stuff it's fun to be in one um yeah i'll I'll probably do a main i think i'm going to try to sign up or i will sign up probably for the new uh league of champions or sorry i'm trying to think of the the phrasing you know so i mean if i'm gonna do an oc and a main anyways obviously it i think makes sense almost there anyways now you have to do an auction see now you're in exactly so um <laughs> it, it, it seems cool and i it's a pretty because like, didn't toby kind of run toby's, with that or start that yep 
Yep, Toby created it. And it's a it. cool idea. So it's it's great to see that. I think there's already over 70 people in it. And um, see, it'd be interesting to see how high that goes since there's still plenty of time before, obviously, the opening day. And yeah, so I, I'll try to maybe say like under double digits in the OC. Um, just because, like I said, I, I know by the end of this year, I took almost football off because I just was like, I need to. Exhausting. Yeah, I need to just enjoy watching football for for this year and, and not not that fabs is hard in football but uh, it's kind of nice to spend your sundays actually watching the games i feel you i used to do football content i cut that out like three years ago um i, I just play in some leagues with my buddies now i think i took I, besides doing the podcast with bloomfield and like some of these bench of bubba's i didn't do anything baseball wise for the whole entire postseason i'm just like i'm just chilling like it's time yeah. to relax because yeah like you love doing fantasy baseball, playing fantasy baseball, but man, six months it kicks you in the balls by the end of it. 100%. You're just, you're oh, just, for sure. So uh, I'm with you on that that much. Um, let's get into kind of you mentioned you, you've done one DC. You're in your second one right now. Um, you said the first one was kind of like you weren't totally sad. What what was it that just you know doesn't have to be pick by pick, but just kind of roughly. Sure. What was it that made you kind of feel like uneasy or not like thrilled with how it went? Yeah, I think, and I like, I think like my, you know, like you said, without going through every pick, I think my offense is actually really good or has a chance to be really good, but that was sort of the way I drafted. So I hope it would kind of turn out, you know, nice on paper in a sense. I think I started with like, it was pick 14 and I had like Judge, Jose and Michael Harris. I think we're like my first three picks. Um, so overall, I mean, I was like very happy with, sort of the balance and stuff of those hitters, of course, but then my pitching, I just didn't, I think it's my pitching. I just, I think it can be fine, but I think there's some holes and some areas of concern. Um, and we'll see what it plays out. I think Pablo was my SP one in that one. And I think Pablo's really good. There's a lot of things to like yeah. about him, but you know, I know he's kind of polarizing, right. With, um, do you believe, you know, some people still don't want to give him the credit on the health, even though it's been two years and, but man, his numbers, pretty legit i think um but i think that one was like i said a good feeler for i don't know if i loved going a little header heavy um i think i maybe prefer getting a, a little bit more pitching earlier on um we'll see if i feel that way still in a month but um yeah so the second one needless to say i want a little bit more pitcher uh early on so yeah, and that's that's why I love doing these as well. And that's kind of the point we were talking about is doing these to kind of prep you for the main draft season. It's not just the old cliche, we're learning the player pool. It's more about learning how we want to draft, which is in the same essence, learning the player pool. But um, I'm with you. The, the drafts, I I always tell myself, okay, let's just do like three or four hitters early and see how it goes. Obviously, a 12 will be different, probably doable. Yep. But when right. you're doing that DC, when you do that DC, even after the second hitter, you start looking at that pitcher pool and you're like, oh, crap. Like this is getting interesting because you guys start taking closers earlier too because you need at least one to get the saves. Like yeah. so, that changes things where you can be different in an OC as well. Um, and you know, but, in, in a DC yeah. with fifteen, you know, depending on where you're picking, right? You always mm -hmm. are kind of doing that dance on: is a run going to happen as soon as I pick? Like it pick fourteen in my first one, right? It's a long ways before it gets back to you. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, if you think, let's say, you're waiting on that first closer. And then two guys after you decide to take one, the room panics, and then six of them are gone before it gets back to you. You know, those are always the things you kind of have to, you know, balance out and, you know, try to analyze as best you can, which is impossible sometimes. But 
yeah, you're almost forced. You're forced to do things in those leagues. And that's, I've noticed that in the early drafts I've done, I've already said it, like, especially in 15s, 12s, whatever, 15s, I hate being on the ends. Like, being first, sure, you get Acuna. That's awesome. But as the draft yep. goes on, that sucks again. Like, as the draft goes on, but that back yep. end, you get that early double tap again. Nice. But as that draft goes on, you really feel, I think, it feels like you're handcuffed into doing things you might not normally do. And that's totally like, agree. It's, it's making so have me you, in your middle have pick. You been- it sounds like you've been liking getting a little pitching earlier on. I mean, like getting a good yeah. base. Yeah. At least I, no more than two hitters early, if not only one hitter early. It depends, obviously, on, on what's going on. But I want to make sure I get – I'm trying to get, like, no one past Pablo. I want one of those top guys, Pablo, or better. But uh, sure. probably a top five guy would be great. And we all say that, of course. But it just gets really murky really quick. And uh, I don't know. We'll see. Like, I'm starting to think my KDS is going to be – you know, after the top like couple picks, it's going to be. I want to be in the middle. So I've, I've been kind of almost leaving it like butter when uh when yeah. when it's been going because I prefer if I'm going to get the turn, make it my last options. But yeah, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I'm picking eight in this one, and I I kind of liked it just based on what we said, right? On the not being on the ends, and you don't have as far getting back to each round, and uh, so far I definitely like it way better in the end, but. Um, yep. Yeah, minus drafting next to Gialdi, it's probably pretty fun. So that that's always good. Yeah, he's. Um, I think he's. Is he right next to me? I mean, he might be two picks away. But yeah, we are pretty close. So it's and that's always interesting in these rooms too. If yeah. you know players that are, I think everybody's drafting is pretty locked in. But you know, certain players that you know pay attention more than others, and you kind of start eating your head about that too. Like, man, if I if I pass him up here, that guy's probably going to take him, or possibly right, just because yeah. we all kind of listen to the same stuff, or maybe have. Well, yeah, over the last few years, as NFBC continues to grow, it's like now we all kind of know who each other are and we see who's in the draft room. We have a good idea at least who like two-thirds of the room is. And you're just like, oh, great, sweet. And then there's always the new guy who's like super smart Mm -hmm. and you just don't know it yet. (laughs) Yep, 100%. It's like, well, I'll know you by the end of the year now. Sounds good. So like, you just joined the chat. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of that. So that's like the blessing of the curse. I guess it's getting more and more popular, more and more fun because the format's amazing. But it's just like showing – it's getting tougher and tougher at the same time, drafting with the same oh, no doubt. smart people over and over again. Um, so you kind of hinted at starting pitching. You want to get a little earlier. What's your kind of thoughts on just starting pitching as a whole? Like like there's that big kind of glob in the middle that people talk about. So there's options, but you have to like kind of go through the minefield. Yeah, no, it's a good question. Um, I kind of said what you were just saying, like, you know, in a perfect world, I think right now, at least in a D.C., getting a top five, whatever your rankings are, guy is, is ideal, right? Um, in this draft, I, I took Strider at eight. I mean, obviously we know like what his upside and stuff is, but because um, I think looking at it, it gets very interesting in like 40 to 80 range, right? I think there's so many guys that are kind of polarizing and have different questions and different, you know, all have some upside, right? And um, But it's just a matter of who do you trust, whether it's, Scooble, right? Who's all the advanced stuff say it was legit, it was amazing. And, you know, are you buying into it? Um, Kodai, you have Bobby Miller, you have the, you know, all those young guys, like who do you like the most? It's just Aaron, you have Aaron Nola, who is a yo yo, like every other year, it seems like who are you getting? Logan Webb, who's like always undervalued, it seems like. So it's, it's just a crazy group, I think. Um, and I'm not saying that one of those guys can't be your ace, but I think. If you can get one of the you know, Strider, Cole, Wheeler, Burns, whoever it is, I think 
just might make your life a lot easier and then kind of figure it out from there. But yeah, it's just one thing I've, like, you, we always learn each year, like different things we did right, did wrong. And one thing for me is always like, <clears throat> we, we, not saying we don't prioritize it or I didn't prioritize it, but it's like I, more of an emphasis this year to get the strikeout guys early. That's like, yeah. so, cause it's just so hard with these, like you, you mentioned, like the 40 to 80 range, there's very interesting guys, very, very interesting guys. But even all those guys you mentioned, how many of them are giving you the kind of strikeouts those early five guys are giving you probably? Like it's just it's just a gap. It's a big gap as it, as it starts to yeah. stretch out. And um, it doesn't sound like much, but if you know, if you want to win your league, okay. If you want to win the overall though, big difference. And that's just the kind of thing I'm learning. And that's why we, you know, when we talked about Giolito earlier, that's why you might be forced to take a guy like him, or we joked about Lance mm-hmm. Lynn, but just because when you get that late, and if you're looking at your team and you're like, oh man, I, I'm late on K's. You might be forced to take a guy that you're not comfortable with that could really hurt your ratios. Um, I mean, maybe they'll bounce back, but that's kind of yep. the spot you, you know, might put yourself in if you don't, like you said, 100%. grab one of those 200K guys. But Yeah, that's the fun part. Um, how do you approach the relief pitching world? Because I mentioned kind of earlier in these draft and holds, we see relief pitchers go earlier because you obviously can't fab guys throughout the year. But it seemed mm-hmm. like there were so many more guys that were stuck in their job last year, which kind of makes a little more – I guess, comfortability. I don't know if that's true or not. So how do you look mm-hmm. at the relief pitcher world so far? Yeah, I feel like this year, and again, it's only two drafts. I'm, I feel like last year was a little more like got to get a top guy. And I think obviously the top guys are still elite for obvious reasons. And I'm not saying it's a bad pick necessarily. Um, I think though in the current draft, I mean, I, my first one too, I was kind of surprised that Ryan Presley – I get he's a little older. He's going in late round seven, yep. or at least in this one he did. And to me, that's just a great pick still. I mean, all of his stuff, you know, whatever you want to look at, was still pretty elite last year. And he's on a great team. And I don't have too many concerns outside if you want to play the age card, I guess. But I just think if you can get a guy like him even as your first closer and try to figure out by getting, you know, a couple bats and a couple SPs before, kind of like that idea at least i mean it doesn't mean it's always going to work out for you if you go in that way but um again obviously there's the elite guys up top like hater and stuff who i'm sure they'll do great right um but i'm not sure i want to pass up on some of the other guys at different positions in that range right now but i don't know what your thoughts are no, that's one of the big reasons I like doing these early drafts is kind of getting a feel for that. And again, like we kind of mentioned, in a fab league, it'll change a bit. In the mains or a 15, maybe not as much, just because, again, finding the waiver wire, but OC's different world. Um, yeah. But I, I, I always get a, a little more aggressive on the relievers, and I'm starting to want to like maybe try a draft where maybe I wait till Presley's my reliever one and then mm-hmm. use those, you know, use that fourth, fifth, or sixth round pick on another plug starting pitcher or bat stuff like that i want to see how that kind of build turns out as the as the draft goes on and that's uh definitely something because you said it kind of surprised you and you look at a lot of those guys there, there's a good chunk of guys that could run into 25 to 30 saves that are falling and if you could snipe like some of those that gets interesting as well yeah and um in this one i i didn't myself get presley i was kind of like shaking my head when i saw he went that late i think i took duran in round i don't know if he was i think he was like pick 50 something um, so I'm not saying like for sure I'm going away because obviously you get a guy like that who should be elite ratios and stuff. And we were just talking about that with like the Alvarado types. It, it helps tremendously. But 
Um, yeah, I think to your point, there's like Clay Holmes, Alzali, a lot of these guys in like the 100 to 120 Phillips that, you know, could get 25 saves and still put up pretty good numbers. It's just, um, you know, now I'm trying to figure out in this draft, like, where do I want to attack my second closer? You know, that's always. That's like if, if you waited, do you need to be more aggressive on number two type thing? That's always the fun yeah. question. Yeah, or do you go and get like, or do you go get like an Alvarado and somebody else later that could, you know, piece it together? Maybe that's, that's the fun puzzle. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> and then do, do you, you know, do you take, because then there's always the leftovers that are the last few closers that quote unquote have the job, but you know, it's like, do you trust the skill set? Are they going to keep it like the Kyle Finnegan's, you know, like, those guys like how much do you believe and that's where it gets kind of interesting too at the end or you just wait and take like the upside arms like that could potentially win a job you know as the year goes on so hey uh no pressure here but Gioli's in the chat saying you're way up you can make your pick live on the air if you'd like or you can wait till later up to you i'm not going to pressure Ooh. you but Gioli says you're on the clock so I'm on the clock here we can do it quick i think i had a guy in mind here what oh, round are you in 10 11. This is round 10. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to take this guy because I think he is massively underdrafted right now. And he's yeah. not the greatest teammate in the world, but. Uh, Don't say Wander Franco. He's not playing this year. <laughs> I'm not taking I'm not taking Franco, I promise. Okay, good. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, I took Ozuna. Um, okay. Give me my yeah. Ozuna pitch. I think. He's one guy that's kind of baffled me so far, and maybe I'm just wrong on it, but no, I think that was pick like 140 something. Um, after the first month was, I don't know, one of the like legitimately best hitters just in baseball. Um, he's not the youngest guy, but again, lead team, phenomenal setup for him, and he was hitting the ball. It wasn't like it was fluky, I guess, is what I'm saying, and. Yeah. You know, guy that hits 40 homers and has 100 RBIs and he's in the Braves lineup. Again, if you want to do the age thing, we can, you know, I get it. Some people get more concerned about that stuff. And and again, his off the field stuff, I understand it. Uh, yep. Obviously not a fan of any of that, but um, this is fantasy. And, you know, I think the skill set still looks pretty promising. And in this build, the way I was doing, I just need some power. So um, I think a guy like him around 150, for me, makes a lot of sense. Uh, I, I think the price is pretty reasonable, but yeah, he's he's a very interesting one. Draft. I'm, I agree with you. If you need power, I think he's a great price or great pick at that price. Um, I think it's I think it's a conundrum for him as people see that UT only, and yeah. uh, they get they get stuck on that. Where I'm not one of those guys. Like I have so many JD Martinez shares right now, it's ridiculous. And um, I'm all in. and he's going like a two something because I guess because he hasn't signed yet. I'm like. Whatever he signs, folks, he's going to DH. If he doesn't, I will just eat that pick. That's fine. But yep. two something, I'll take that all day long. No, Ozuna's just, Ozuna's just, they'll be going right next to each other when he signs. Let's put it that way. I would agree. Yeah, you have. I don't. The UT stuff doesn't bother me too much either. To be honest with you, I've never gotten too bent out of shape. I get people think it ties them up, but but I think you have. I don't know. There's a lot of these power bats, like you said. JD's going to climb as soon as he signs. Ozuna, Soler, and that mirror. Eloy going like, mm -hmm. I get it. He has his injury stuff, but he's like 250. I mean, this is a guy yeah. going like wow. 75 last year or whatever. Um, I get it. The team's not great, but 250 seems like a great chance to take a, a shot on a guy who still has, I think, a decent skill set. But 
Yeah, and I'm with you in the fact, like you said, Ozuna in the middle of that lineup, not bad. Not bad at all. There's be a lot of run production for Mr. Marcel yeah. in that one. We'll see, but but then I always yeah. feel like the karma gods are going to get me because I you know, took a... Yeah, I get it. I, I, I understand every side <laughs> of those arguments. I, I get it, but in the I end, mean, it's your team. I, I'm, I play fantasy over... It's fantasy for reasons, put that way. That's right. Uh, I'm, w- I'm with you on that. Um, speaking of offense, are there any positions that stand out to you that you need to be maybe more aggressive on? Everyone says uh, outfielder because you need five, obviously, and those yeah. do dry up very quick. But is there is it outfielder? Is there somewhere else that you you've noticed? Yeah, I did put outfield down. That is, I guess, you know, maybe the easy answer right now. Um, I was kind of looking at the ADP and like, man, after like Randy. And mm-hmm. Adolis, I think they're around like 11 or 12 in the ADP. And then it goes to the Jolin, or the Nolan Jones of the world, who mm-hmm. actually took in this draft. But it's no for sure thing, right? Like he was great down the stretch. Uh, you see the power speed upside. And that's phenomenal. But I don't think it's any guarantee, right? And then you have Trout and, um, you know, go down the list of guys. Josh Lowe, like, is he going to play every day? You know, he's like a great, great season. But um, the Rays are going to Ray. And. Um, it's just, I don't know, just a very interesting range after that to, to say, man, do I trust this guy as like my first or second outfielder, you know, doesn't get any better from there. So, um, yeah, it's, I, and again, I'm probably going to be doing the uphill battle because right now I have Cheerio as my second outfielder in this league. And obviously I'm assuming he starts opening day, but no guarantee. And it's no guarantee that he's any good. So. Yeah, I'm with the outfield. You got to be aggressive on, otherwise you just better start piecing it together in a big, big way. Uh, find yeah. those late guys. There are obviously, but it's not the same. Uh, first base for me as well. Uh, it's very there's there's more to the top part of it, but it drops off pretty quickly. Um, yeah, and that, that's one of stings as well. So first base for me would be another one to target. What type of stats maybe stand out to you early on offensively that kind of need to be maybe more aggressive on early in draft? Yeah, I think kind of tying into us talking about some power guys here that I guess in my opinion are going in reasonable spots so far. So counter that would be um, average, I guess. You know, for me, I'm trying to maybe build that up in the first few rounds and get a few guys that I think can give me a decent base. So if I want to take a few of these guys later, you know, whoever it is, like whatever you're – power bat might be that you think you can get 25 30 homers out but they're going to hit 240 250 um it doesn't kill me too much so um i'm probably trying to yeah target that in the first few rounds uh rather than trying to get it later not that there aren't a few guys you know like yandy's you have the jeff mcneil's of the world like you can get some guys or you know Luis later it's just um at that point they're few and far between and at that point when you're battling against 15 guys, you never know when somebody's going to Yep, Makes it real tough. Real, real tough. I'm, I'm with you 100% there. That's why it's like I mentioned strikeouts with the pitchers early. I'm looking yeah, for I think some, that's a good one for pitching. But like with with hitting, I'm with you. Like I've been way more in on guys like Corey Seager this year, which I usually yeah. am not on, stuff like that, just because I don't want that hole that as you get down the draft board, which you're kind of forced into, I don't want to have to worry about it as much. So. Well, I'm with you and, as well. And to I'm gonna sound like an idiot to all the audience here, but in this league, I took two shortstops in my first four picks. And the reason I took and it was not planned, it was uh Bichette was on the board still, and I 
He's falling. I felt like he was. I felt like he was one of the last guys that you know can hit me three hundred. That can also give me other things, right? I'm yep. not. I'm not trusting the speed. That's not why I'm taking him. If he steals again, great. But um, still young, and he can still hit over three hundred. And that was the only reason I paired him with. I think I took Lindor earlier for some yep. power speed. But um, again, I don't care that there are two shortstops. I was just like in that spot. I wanted the best player in my opinion for the build I was trying to do. And I liked his batting average upside, honestly. So no, that's, that makes a ton of sense. Cause he is one of those last kind of 300 hitters on the board. So definitely understand that. Cause like you said, there's, there's many ways to do it. And especially in a 50, 50 rounds, you could take a couple shortstops early if you need to. And it allows you the flexibility as outfield shrinks up to uh, fix it. Cause you had to shed early on. So nothing wrong with that at all. Um, Anything else standing out to you when you look at uh, these early drafts? You know, we talked positions, we talked stats. Anything else standing out to you? Yeah, um, I, I put one name down. I feel like I'm going to say this to everybody I talk to, but um, <laughs> I'm kind of surprised. Or I shouldn't say surprised, but it seems, you know, we talked about Azuna. I think on a greater level, when you're talking about a 50-round draft, you know, we talk about difference makers. And at this point in the draft, and I'm going to talk about Mr. Byron Bucks and I know who everybody is, you know, you did love or you, you think it's sucked in like I do. I mean, I'm a twins fan too. So it doesn't help, but uh, I want to believe, I want to believe that the, you know, one year he'll, he'll play 140 games. Right. Um, but obviously if he was going sooner, I, I wouldn't be pumping it up or, you know, maybe even bringing the question up to you, but I saw, and he's UT only again. And I, I understand that. Um, but around pick, I was looking three to three fifty lately. His last 400 or 658 uh, PAs, he's got 45 home runs. So regardless of whatever happens, if he steals or not, you know, they probably don't want him to steal because he gets hurt. A guy that could, again, it's a big could and big if, uh, give you 40-some home runs that late. I love that idea. And I, I was a little shocked to see he was that low. And, again, I just started drafting, so I'm kind of still adjusting this where some guys are going. But, and again, this is a guy, even last year, I think, going in the top 100 and i i know he didn't stay healthy again um but man i i'm probably going to own way too much and then cry about this to you like sometime next year that i drafted eight shares of iron buxton but no i i don't hate it for the fact that you're not paying the premium anymore I hated the premium yeah. on Byron Bucks, just like you mentioned, Elo Jimenez. We're not paying the premium in there. At least it makes it right. interesting. They're they're not your starters per se; they're your backups. Uh, I could see you on your team where you need the outfield depth. Bucks that makes a lot of sense in that regard. Um, you go well, down I think the line there. Gain the eligibility too. I think exactly they want to play. Like, he could play, yeah. So yeah. like he'll probably get it if as long as he stays healthy. But and they're all ifs, but. The question I have for you is why you're talking about that. We, we're, we've been using DC uh, in FBC, but there have been a few OCs drafted already where you could potentially yep. dra- uh, drop a Byron Buxton if you were to get hurt or something. His yep. ADP there is 80 picks higher. It's closer to 200. Is that still is the juice still worth the squeeze to you? I know it's super early. It's January 4th. Long ways yeah. to go here. She said it's around 200. Intriguing? Yeah. Um. Because you could drop him. That that's kind of the perks yeah, to it. I think. I think I definitely would would draft him, but will it be the mindset that I'm going to take him with every draft that I can? Maybe not. Um, Probably not. Yeah. But again, when we talk about and we might talk about this later, but you know, kind of what's your mindset on some of these contests? Do you play to win the league? Do you play for an overall? 
Um, obviously, I'm not going to lie. Of course, I want to win a league. Um, but I think in the OCs, you know, there's different ways to approach how you can win an overall. But hitting on some players or you know taking shots is something I don't mind doing. Um, so yeah, I'd probably gobble up a few shares just because at pick 200, if I drop them again, I mentioned this earlier. There's so many picks that you drop in OCs as the year goes on that are before pick 200 even that yeah you don't want too many of them but you you can get away with it so i'll probably i'll probably you know take the sucker bet and fall for it and and again i'll shake my head and say when are you gonna learn i guess but yeah but it's interesting i'm even kind of like he was straight off not even on my board last year not even interested but like i said i I picked 200 you start thinking okay what could you do here what what's going around him you start thinking ceiling play and that'll lead us into it you mentioned you know, playing the OC, a lot of like playing any of the competitions at NFBC, they have an overall component, pretty much all of them, the main ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and the and the OC, a lot of the price pool is the overall. That's kind of the perk to it. Like only first and second get paid in an OC compared to the top three in other other leagues. Um, the the overall gets a, a fat chunk of cash, and that's kind of a perk. I like guess top fifty get paid out in the overall. Um, so that's where Buxton becomes like an overall type play. When you're playing your, your leagues, you mentioned you, you do want to win your league, but you go for the overall. When you're drafting, how do you kind of how does that influence your draft? I wonder what you're saying. Yeah, it's a really good question because sometimes I'm not even sure the best way to, you know, phrase mm-hmm. it because obviously you can win, and I think we've seen it, you can win an overall without quote unquote taking the sexy pick or the you know the hot rookie or whatever it is, right? Like these polarizing guys that jump draft boards as the year goes on or we think are going to be, you know, I used Corbin Carroll last year as an example. Obviously he helped teams tremendously regardless of where he took them. Um, I don't, you don't have to go after those young, you know, hot players. You can go with somebody who's just, you know, you're Paul Goldschmidt's Freddie Freeman. I mean, Freddie Freeman, right? He's just, he's phenomenal year after year and people never want to give him credit. Um, and he's like, was the third best hitter last year or something in baseball. So, um, but I do, kind of go that way like with like a Tyler Glassstone in OC right like I'm probably gonna take my shot on him a few different times because I mean outside of Strider I mean I don't know on a kind of stuff basis or individual you know per inning basis if there's really anybody a lot better um if he's healthy again health is a big concern but now he's on the Dodgers and it would shock nobody if he could stay healthy if he won the Cy Young. So um, those are the types of guys I'll, I'll try to get a handful of shares in. Just, yeah, if he throws 40 innings, he throws 40 innings. And I probably am dumb enough to think I can overcome it by hopefully getting a few good fab pickups throughout the year or maybe I hit on a guy later or something. So I'm willing to um, go after more of the – question mark guys maybe more than others i guess um mm-hmm. in hopes that you know it works out and, I, and again i just keep going back to I, I think too many of us want to be perfect in these drafts right and i get it i don't want to be wrong either but yep. as we know we're we whiff on a lot of stuff and that's okay oh, yeah. like it's it's okay too and um it doesn't bother me if i you know take somebody and look stupid it's like whatever i yeah. i'll pivot and go on from there but Hundred percent. That's one thing I know. I keep having to work on myself. Is I used to. I was always kind of too cautious in my approach, uh, and then playing OCs for a couple of years now. I've learned, like you said, is take the chance, 
work on the waiver wire fab and try to figure it out because you can you might not be able to replace it one for one but you can uh definitely piece it together throughout the season if, if you do it at the right time drop them or whatever type situation that's one thing is dropping guys just saying screw it we're done cutting ties like that's something uh, at oc like are you, are you good about just cutting ties right away or is that a how's that because that's one of my biggest weaknesses right there i'm i would say it's a weakness of mine too i'm trying to get better at it you know but i think you know whether it's being like stubborn because you drafted the guy you're like no it's it's gonna happen and you're like delusional as the weeks go on like this is the week and then you know either he's hurt still or he's getting rocked um and to your point it, it would have been much better if you just cut him three weeks ago and picked up whoever um so i am trying to get more mindful and i think better at that because i know there's some people who are really smart players who you know they just cut they don't think about it and Obviously, it works out really well for him, but um, it's tough. The guilds taught me a lot. My very first year in the OC was the year he won the overall, and I was in that league. And um, dude, I was also in that league. I don't know if you remember that. I was was in that league. That was when I figured out your name was Brian. And I was like, okay, that's it. Because that made me laugh. Like, you keep saying the shortstop thing. Guilds is the one that took like two first basements out the gate with Alonzo and Goldie and just kept going with it. And like, but even then, like, that concept never crossed my mind to like, build the best team like you're saying and so like just little things like that you kind of you learn from your mistakes situation and uh take chances and the one thing he's always you know when he comes on my show we talk about a lot is he is cold-blooded when it comes to cutting he does not care he will make mistakes and he will add guys he'll spend all his fab out the gate and just not care about it or i'm always kind of cautious with my fab so how are you with fab are you are you a guy that's willing to spend like 600 bucks on a guy or are you uh more of a cautious approach yeah um i mean i would i'm not saying i wouldn't do it um i'm probably a little more cautious and i kind of like to make sure i have a decent amount in the second half right to play with um i mean last year was so wild too right with rookie pitchers i felt like every week it was just like we were talking about you run to the the fab links and you, you look at the highest bids and it's just like it's in every league. Somebody's five hundred dollars for this rookie pitcher, you know, Bybee, you know, Miller, whoever it was. Um, it just felt like it was never ending. But and I, I didn't get too many shares. A lot of those guys, um, at least last year. But I know it can work out because you can, you know, I know the guilds, like you said, does it, and it obviously has a lot of success because if you hit on them, then you get that full year right of that great production. Um, so it's it's there's two different ways to definitely go about it. I'm probably, like you said, a little more conservative, uh, wanting to keep a little bit in the bank, especially if you're in contention with, you know, hopefully getting like two start guys as the year goes on. Right. I, there's a lot of value in that or can be, but. For sure. It's uh, it's though, like you said earlier, it's the puzzle of this game we play the draft is a puzzle. The fab is a puzzle. It's a six month, uh, just mind F is what I like to call it. And uh, you got to try to piece totally it all is. together. Yeah, you got to piece it all together, but Anything else you'd like to hit on here as uh, we get as we keep cranking up draft season, I guess, or um, are, are you good? Because this, this was a lot of fun chatting with you. Yeah, no, no, this is a great time, man. I appreciate again you having me on and getting a chance to just like meet you and talk some baseball and kind of get the juices flowing now. Now that you know, yeah. talk to somebody else too, and you're just like, you know, I don't know if you, are you jumping in? Are you in a DC right now? Or are you doing any more? I'm in an NFC 50 right now. I'll jump in a DC shortly. I'm a, uh, sure. I, I was taking a little breather. I guess I had a couple of guys hit me up and go, Hey, we're all jumping in this. Month. Okay, fine. I'll jump in. Here's 50 bucks. Take it. And yeah. t- kind of try it out a little bit. And I'll, I'll jump back in a, in a DC here pretty soon. 
for sure. Yep. No, I don't. Uh, I don't think I have anything else uh, other than that. But I, you know, we'll have to jump into now that I've gotten talking to you an auction and you're doing a main event qualifier and. Now we've added extra drafts to our slate. Yeah, this is just great, great. We're, we're, that's why I, this year was the first year like in my, you know, goals slash resolutions. I didn't even say I was cutting back. I just know better. It's never going to happen. As much exactly. as I say it, well, it's never because I, I just don't say no. People ask me, and I don't say no. Like, wow. It's just uh, one of those. things. And that's the problem. Chat, once you, you, know. you get to know a few people, like yourself or whoever, and you know, they happen to tweet out or message exactly. you and like jump in a draft. And like I said, I have no, I have no uh, strength and willpower when it comes to that. So, yeah, I'm with you. But uh, yeah, pleasure talking to you, man. We'll have to do this again sometime, and uh, definitely see each other in the chat room or the uh, draft rooms. I know that much. That'll be coming yeah, up absolutely. here pretty soon. But uh, make sure y'all fo- follow Nikolai on Twitter at Nikolai Knutson, K-N-U-T-S-O-N. I do check it out. I'm an idiot. Um, but everybody, thanks for you listening. Still did Thanks a to- much better job than Waxman, man pronouncing the bar the bar is low in that regard (laughs) but um anyway this is bench with bubba episode 623 catch you all next time